Hello, everyone, and welcome to our presentation tonight. I am proud to announce that I have not only Nate Hare, the Executive Vice President over at Quest, to talk a little bit about self-directed IRAs, but I have one of my very good clients, Salil, who invested with us and has since referred some people over, and we're going to do a little bit of a case study on his property a little bit later on. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Nate. Thanks, Josh, uh, and thanks, Growth Equity. We always appreciate being invited on one of your webinars. Um, my name is Nate Hare. I'm the Executive Vice President of Quest IRA. And for the first part of this presentation, I'm just going to kind of go over uh, the basics about self-direction, um, just kind of tip of the iceberg type stuff, uh, talk about uh, what a self-directed IRA is, what are the benefits of a self-directed IRA, and kind of mention you know, some of the potential investment options. And I'll turn it over to Josh to talk about uh, growth equity and what they provide uh, for investors. Uh, so I'll just jump in right into it. Um, first, before I get into it, uh, I have to give our disclaimer. Um, Quest IRA, we don't provide any tax, legal, or investment advice, nor do we endorse any products or services or investments of any type. Uh, we're really a neutral third party when it comes to picking investments. We let our clients pick their own investments. So all the information and materials here are just for education purposes only. We always uh, encourage people to consult with their attorneys, accountants, and financial advisors before entering into any type of investment. Uh, just a little background on Quest before I get into the nuts and bolts of the presentation. Um, Quest IRA, we're highly experienced in what we do. Uh, we're a self-directed IRA company based in Houston, Texas, but we have clients nationwide. Um, and currently, we fund about 2,000 investments per month. Um, and, and, and a lot of those are real estate-based. I would probably say 70% of our investments that we process are real estate-based. Um, we're actually owned and operated by real estate investors. We've been doing this for 15-plus years, uh, so we're not one of the new kids on the block. Um, and there's not an investment strategy that is out there that we haven't seen and processed uh, through an IRA. Uh, so we're very experienced in what we do, and a lot of our clients uh, appreciate that uh, knowledge and experience. Uh, we fund twice a day, and actually this is a little bit different. We actually fund all day long now with, with some of our current and that's a little different uh, with some of the IRA companies out there um, where we can get uh, in your investments funded in, in about 24 to 48 hours and sometimes even less. Sometimes we can fund investments same day. Um, that's pretty unheard of out there in the IRA uh, community. Some, some of the self-directed IRA companies, uh, not naming any names, they, they might take a couple weeks or, or a month, and, and that's okay if you're doing one or two investments. But if you're doing a lot of investments, a lot of people like our fast turnaround times because they can get their deals funded in as little, as little as 48 hours. We provide a lot of free education and opportunities to network with other investors, uh, just like this webinar here with Growth Equity. Uh, we do a lot of our own free education as well. Um, I encourage anybody who's interested in learning more about self-directed IRAs and, and all the uh, wonderful things you can do with them to visit our website and see some of our education on our educational portal list. Um, we're based, like I said, in Texas. Our corporate office is in Houston, but we also have offices in Austin, Dallas, and Mason, Michigan, and soon to open offices in other territories as well, probably Charlotte, North Carolina, here pretty, pretty quick. Uh, we have currently about 12,000 clients nationwide and manage over a billion dollars in assets, and those are all non-traditional assets. And those non-traditional assets are held in our clients, either IRAs, ESAs, which are education savings accounts, HSAs, or solo 401ks. And again, we just allow our clients to have the opportunity to invest in things outside of your traditional investments like the stock market and mutual funds and CDs and those types of things. So that brings me to my next slide, is traditional custodians versus companies like Quest. Well, most of us know what the traditional custodian are. They're the guys that have the commercials on TV and, and hold most of America's wealth. And those are companies like Charles Schwab, Fidelity, Edward Jones. And it's just un important to understand the difference between a traditional custodian like that and a company like Quest. Because really what we do is we hold the same product, which is an IRA, an individual retirement account. But the nature of the business is very different. Traditional custodians are in the business to sell investments. It doesn't make them bad guys. That's just what they do. They're in the business to sell investments. So if you have an IRA with a traditional custodian, they're only going to allow you to hold what they sell you. And that would be stocks, bonds, mutual funds, CDs, and those types of things. It's important to understand that there's other companies out there, and one of those is Quest, and there's some other companies that are, are self-directed companies, that allow clients to hold investments in their retirement account other than those traditional investments that still the IRS allows. And it's important to understand that the IRS does not tell us what we can invest in with our IRAs. They only tell us what we can't invest in. And it's just two things. 
Your IRA can't buy life insurance contracts or collectibles, and that's really it. Anything else is fair game when it comes to an investment in your IRA. You just have to find a company that's willing to hold that investment that you're looking to purchase. So again, the, there's no difference in an IRA at Quest versus an IRA at Fidelity. Um, it's just the nature of what we what we do as a business and the investments that we hold. Okay? And I always bring this slide up because it's important to understand there. when I talk about self-directed IRA, it's important to understand that self-directed is just a marketing term. And the reason why we use that marketing term is we feel our IRAs are truly self-directed because we don't invest it for the client. The client has to invest their IRA with us. It has to pick their own investments. So that's why we call it a self-directed IRA. But there's other, say, traditional custodians out there like Vanguard and other companies that have a self-directed IRA. But it's only self-directed, in, again, into the investments that they sell you. So it's important to understand there's no difference in a self-directed IRA. There actually is no legal meaning of a self-directed IRA. IRAs are the same no matter where you go. Uh, an IRA is an IRA is an IRA, is like we like to say at Quest. Okay? So an IRA at Fidelity is the same IRA you would have at Quest, except the account agreement is different. And like I said, an account agreement at Fidelity just allows you to invest in the things that you sell. An account agreement at Quest says we'll allow you to hold anything that the IRS allows provided you pick the investment, okay? And that's really the only difference um, when we talk about uh, holding an IRA here and holding an IRA there. So what would be the benefits of having a, quote, self-directed IRA? Well, one of the benefits is just diversification. Diversification into all different types of investments. And, you know, most of you may have a financial advisor that tells you, well, you're well diversified. You have some of this stock. You have some energy stock. You have some oil and gas. But really, that well, at the end of the day, that's still all your eggs in one basket, I would argue. You still have all your investments in traditional investments. Okay? And traditional investments can evaporate most of the time. Um, like I like to say, you know, if you have your IRA invested in a stock, and that stock's with the company, and that company goes up, what are you left with as an investment? Well, you're left with nothing because that investment doesn't have any collateral to it. Okay? But that's what most people um, think that, that how, how they should invest because that's all they're ever shown. That's all they're ever sold. Well, when you have the ability to self-direct your IRA, you get the ability to invest in non-traditional investments. And a lot of non-traditional investments are tangible investments, like real estate. You can throw gold and silver in there as well, but I like talking about real estate. Real estate doesn't evaporate like stocks do. And you, you could think about if you own a piece of real estate in an IRA, or, or personally, what's the worst thing that can happen to that piece of real estate? Can it just disappear from the earth? No, I mean, it can burn to the ground, but we have insurance that covers those losses because there's insurance companies that will insure tangible investments. We've had a lot of flooding in Houston. There's flood insurance. Again, there's, there's insurance that can cover your losses because the investments that you have are tangible. Okay? And they probably don't want me to tell you this, but we have a lot of clients that work at Edward Jones, that work at Charles Schwab, that work with Fidelity. And they call us all the time to open accounts with Quest because they understand the power of having tangible investments in their portfolio. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to put yourself at risk to lose everything. So it's always important, I think, to diversify and have some tangible investments in your portfolio and not everything in paper investments that have no collateral. And truthfully, real estate's the biggest segment of our economy. So I would say if you're not invested in some tangible uh, real estate, you're probably missing a large uh, boat there because that is the largest segment of our economy. The thing that we always got to think about, too, as investors or otherwise, is just taxes. And what IRAs in general allow you to do is grow your money either tax-deferred or completely tax-free. You always got to remember that your IRA is a separate entity from you altogether. Okay? Me and everybody else listening on this line is a taxpayer. We are a person that pays taxes. So any dollar that we make, the IRS is going to expect that we pay him 30 to 40% of our profits. So if you're a good investor and you're doing everything in your name, I would say you probably have to do a lot more deals to end up with the same bucket at retirement than the IRA investor that's using their IRA to grow some of their profits tax-deferred or tax-free. Because an IRA is not a person. Your IRA is actually a tax-exempt trust that you manage. You're the fiduciary of it. And IRAs were set up for the specific purpose to help Americans save for retirement. So that's the big benefit to to having an IRA to house some of your investments because those profits either grow tax-deferred or completely tax-free. 
And not to mention, there's no capital gains tax in an IRA. So IRAs get definite tax benefits that we don't as individuals. So I think if you're not using an IRA to your benefit, you're probably going to end up giving too much money to Uncle Sam, and nobody wants to do that. The other thing that we like to talk about, too, and this is just, I'm going to get a little bit cheesy on you guys for a little bit, but I think it's important to talk about this type of stuff. It's just the social implications of your investments. Okay? And a lot of people on the line might be thinking, what is Nate talking about, social investing? Well, I'll tell you a quick story about our CEO, Nathan Long. Our CEO, Nathan Long, um, came to us about seven years ago, but prior to working uh, at Quest, he's doing very well for himself in the automotive industry. Uh, he was running ABC Nissans, one of the largest Nissan dealerships in the nation. And he was doing quite well for himself back then running ABC Nissan. And uh, he's a single father, uh, raising two kids, and he, he had some extra money for the first time in his life. And he thought, you know what, I'm going to be a smart investor. Um, and at the time, he had a 401k with Fidelity, and that 401k had a mutual fund in it. And it was doing pretty well back then. So we decided, you know what, I got this extra money in my hand, and I'm gonna, I, I see this mutual fund's doing pretty well. So I'm going to call, call Fidelity, and I'm going to educate myself and as an investor. I'm going to find out the companies in this mutual fund, and I'm going to send more money to them because I want to you know, invest for my retirement. So we picked up the phone. He called Fidelity, and he said, hey, Fidelity, can you tell me the list of the companies that uh, this mutual fund has? And they said, sure, Mr. Long, we'll send you the prospectus. They sent him the prospectus, and he read it and came to find out there's no list of the companies in the prospectus, obviously. Uh, it just tells about who gets paid commission, how they're going to dollar cost average, all these other things that he didn't understand. So he picked up the phone, he called Fidelity back, and he said, hey, Fidelity, I was really just trying to get a list of the companies that my mutual fund owned. And they said, ah, well, it changes on a day-to-day -day basis. He said, look, guys, I'm not holding you to anything. Can you just tell me a list of the companies that I own today? So he said, sure, Mr. Longway, send you over the list. So they faxed him over that list of the companies that he owned in his mutual fund, and it, it, it struck chord in him because of a life-changing event for him. He picked up that fax, and at the, at the top of that list, top of that list on the mutual funds, uh, the companies that he owned was Bin Laden Construction. Bin Laden Construction, and, and Mr. Long's former military, and this was three months after 9-11. And this was an international growth fund that he was invested in. It disturbed him. This wasn't an investment that was in line with his political or ethical intentions. But I would argue that if you ask the average American to name you the companies in their mutual fund, most people could not do it. And most people, truthfully, don't know where their retirement is invested in. So you should always think about the social implications of your investing. And the thing that I like about a self-directed IRA is it allows you to pick your own investments. And a lot of times you can pick your own investments right in your own community, not international growth funds. You can decide to rehab property in your community, you know, uh, buy rentals in your community, add value to your community. And that's the thing that the, that the self-directed IRA allows you to do is pick your own investments and you can pick exactly where you want your money invested and it can be invested right into your community. But ultimately, what a self-directed IRA allows you to do is just take control of your retirement and invest in what you know best. Investment is, is a risk no matter what you invest in. If you invest in the stock market, there's risk there. If you invest in real estate, there's risk there. But I think at the end of the day, how you minimize your risk is just to invest in the things that you understand best. And I think most people don't understand the stock market yet. 98% of America's wealth is invested there. There's seven different types of plans that you can self-direct at Quest, and a lot of you might have these types of plans right now, um, and they might be invested uh, traditionally. Uh, but these are the types of plans that you can use to invest in real estate if you choose to. Traditional IRAs and Roth IRAs would be your personal plans. Uh, again, a tra traditional IRA is a pre-tax account. A Roth IRA is an after-tax account. We love the Roth IRA here at Quest. Uh, if you're self-employed, you have additional options for self-direction. You can self-direct your own SEP IRA, a simple IRA, or even your own individual 401k. And most people don't realize this. You can also self-direct your education savings accounts for your children and your health savings account. And those accounts are very, very powerful because you can have your investments actually not only pay for your retirement, but also pay for your current education needs for your children and your health care needs for your family. Um, I encourage you guys to check out our website. We have classes on all these types of plans if you're looking to get more details uh, on how these plans work. Here's some of the common investment options that we see at Quest. Again, we don't sell any of these to our investments. These are the investments that our clients pick. We see a lot of people invest in single-family, multifamily, uh, unimproved land, unsecured, secured notes, apartment buildings. The list goes on and on, even debt finance property. Uh, most people don't realize if you have a smaller IRA, that's okay. 
You don't need hundreds of thousands of dollars to invest in real estate. You can invest in real estate even with a small IRA because there are banks out there that will loan your IRA money. Um, I think uh, Growth Equity Group has, has some, some people that they work with that, that offer that service. So again, these are just some of the investment options that are allowed within an IRA. But like I said earlier in, in the uh, program is you, the IRS does not tell us what we can invest in. They only tell us what we can't invest in and the list is very short. Um, if you want more information about Quest and the, the its services that we provide, there's my email address. Um, you can email me at any time. You can visit our website at questira.com. Um, or you can call us during normal business hours at one eight five five fun iras um, So that's the end of my presentation. I will turn it over to uh, Josh here so he can talk. And Okay. Go, Appreciate Josh. that, Nate. Very good presentation, and I'm getting my screen going here. I'm going to start off with a little bit about us, Growth Equity Group, and then I'm going to bring on our special guest tonight, which is Salil, one of my current clients. <clears throat> so starting off a little bit about us, we are nationwide real estate investing. We have 25 years experience in the space as ground up real estate developers, property managers, and investors ourselves. And for the last decade, really since Katrina struck the Mississippi, where we got our start developing new construction rental real estate when they had the go zone 50% bonus to depreciation, we noticed a lot of clients coming to us with self-directed IRAs and purchasing these properties, but they were forced to purchase them all cash. They had to be at a very arm's length with these investments, and we've put our focus since then on providing a full solution for individuals looking to diversify with a self-directed IRA into real estate, but may not be a day-in, day-out real estate expert or have the ability to do the things we're able to do with our industry connections and our bulk purchasing power. So our model for success here is frozen. There we go. We evaluate 20 to 25 given markets at any time. So once we identify a market that based on the key indicators we find like building permits, growth in the job sector, millennials moving in, and I'll go over some more in a bit, we start looking for specific assets and we do diligence on specific assets. Now we're buying bulk real estate from accidental landlords in the amount of 100 to 150 houses. And when we're going in and doing our diligence, we also invite our pool of lenders who are non-recourse lenders that are lending non-recourse for you, the end client who will be purchasing these properties. They approve the financing, we approve our contracts and we acquire these assets. We source the top management in the area that manages all, say, 100 doors in any given market, so they're doing so for a much better management rate for you, the client, than if you were to come to them with one or two properties. We place qualified tenants. We vet them with credit checks, background checks, and past employment checks to make sure they're not only great tenants for us, but great tenants for our clients, so they refer business and are happy and give us good recommendations. This is the point where a client is introduced to the investment. Once we build a relationship, learn exactly what you're looking for, goals, risk tolerances, we'll identify the properties that make the most sense for you. We have a step-by-step walkthrough of our closing process, do everything very passively with mail, and after that, your acquisition to disposition, you have us as your manager, and we'll do annual evaluations with you and keep you abreast of what new inventory comes available, privy to the general public. So we're here to be your evaluator, we're your manager. We're not your lender, but we source it so all of our assets have pre-approved non-recourse financing, and we're your partner. We help you diversify your overall portfolio and take advantage of markets that will be very sexy, but have yet to become sexy. So without further ado, I would like to introduce my client, Salil. He invested with us early last year in the development we had in, in Virginia, and since has referred over quite a few friends and as well as his brother. Hello, everyone. Welcome, Salil. So if you wouldn't mind, tell everyone about a little bit about yourself and uh, your experience with Growth Equity Group. Sure. So um, I, I live in California. I've, I've been in, in IT industry for several years. 
and uh, I was looking for some ways to invest my uh, savings and all retirement retirement savings and all. Uh, as many of us have gone through a very bad experience in the stock market, in fact, I'm still recovering from the carryover of the capital losses in the, from the stock market. So after having burnt out completely from in, in, in that area, I was looking for other avenues where I could invest. And after doing a lot of research, I uh, finally uh, settled down on uh, real estate investment. And that's when I was looking for somebody who can take the pressure off of me. Uh, having worked in software IT, there was not much time that I used I could devote to research on the investment opportunities and all. And I was looking for somebody who can uh, do most of the legwork and help me with the investment opportunities. And after doing some research, I finally came across a Growth Equity Group. I uh, spoke to Josh and uh, we went through the process, he educated me and uh, after going through a lot of questions and giving him a really hard time, uh, Josh has been very patient dealing with me. I went through a long learning curve because I had not done any investment before. Uh, I was quite fearful in fact, uh, but he helped me understand every aspect of the investment. He answered all my questions, no matter how stupid questions were there. But uh, only after I got comfortable with that, I went ahead and made, made my first investment in Virginia. And after really seeing that, yes, it's for real um, and having a very good experience overall, I went ahead and um, invited several of my friends into this process, including my brother as well. And they all had a very similar experience going through with Josh. Oh, great. Salil, you are one of my greatest clients, and I truly appreciate you being on this webinar. And I want to share a little bit about the property that Salil did purchase, which was in Virginia, Colonial Williamsburg, Virginia, which is a market that's been doing tremendous things for us. His brother and his friend also purchased in a different development that was later on, but this is a development that is one mile away from the College of William and Mary which is a tremendous master's program, the best in the East Coast. And it was a development held by an accidental landlord. We were able to acquire 33 units at a bulk discount, do what we do with the tenants and management, and then have them available for our investors. So here's some pictures on the property as well. And then we've got a little bit of a breakdown of what the returns were over the past year. And in, in line with our projections, I have some examples as well. So our non-recourse financing is in place. I'll talk a little bit more on it, but what it allowed Salil to do was purchase this property for 51900 down when it was being sold at 129900 And the non-recourse loan was at 78000 from the lender, pre-approved in place. So monthly rental income on the development was 1000 a few units as we acquire them were at 950, so we subsidize the difference till we get the rent up to where it should be. Monthly loan payment of 419, taxes at 80, insurance and the HOA that covers all the external repairs, 115. Maintenance expense factored in at 2% of the rent, so it would be $240 a year. Net cash flow would be 366 a month or annually 4392 with in addition to that loan being amortized over 30 years giving you 1151 in principal reduction so cumulative return with zero appreciation factored in has been 5543 or 10.7% appreciation if you factor it in as we do at what 10 year averages for a given market really it's what's in line with inflation 3.1% leaves you with 4026 and that being on the amount of down payment versus if you were to pay all cash, leaves you with an internal rate of return of 9,569 on your 51,000 invested, that's 19%. Now, what nine out of 10 investors are doing is they're purchasing a property like this without any cash. So if you were to go through this same scenario, you wouldn't have a mortgage payment, but you would be investing $78,000 more, leaving you with a return on investment with no appreciation of 9,420, which is only 7.2% of your invested amount. Now, appreciation at the same exact rate, 
not on a leveraged dollar leaves you with only an internal rate of return of 10.3%. So as you can see, and as I'm sure Salel can attest to, he recently completed a second purchase with us, leverage is really the key here. And once you purchase with us, we don't go anywhere. We're your manager, and we provide you with monthly statements on what's going on with the property. And we go as far as paying the monthly expenses for you, so you're not getting any transaction fees from your custodian. You're actually able to see what's going on with your property, including minor repairs, as you'll see here. It looks like in November a door lock was replaced and we have a reserve account put aside for it. But what we do is we take care of any of the issues, we pay the bills, and then you just get the net cash flow at the end of every month, deposited back into your account. So it's as passive as your stock portfolio, but it's real property that you have ownership of. And all of that is available, and all your documents saved for your accounting and your GG Manager portal, which is similar to logging into an E-Trade or a Scott's Trade. You can see your account statements, see all, all the things I've showed you and any pertinent documents to your investment properties. Now, when it comes to identifying markets, when we're looking at 20 to 25 given markets on any day, we're looking at emerging markets coming into their own, college towns, or urban markets, with an emphasis on finding two of the three there. And in more recent times, we've been very, very focused on millennials, especially in college towns, especially in these markets with job growth, because they are lifetime renters. They are driving the market up on rentals and they are not slowing down. Student loan debts are so high and the difficulty to get a mortgage, it's virtually impossible for millennials to buy a house before they turn 30. And even then you have some renting into their mid to late 30s. It's tremendous what it's doing for the rental market as a whole. And if you can go to where the jobs are, you're gonna have steady income of renters and steady growth. Now, this is a great chart I like to show. We've been in Fort Myers, Florida is the best example to show with this because we have clients who are exiting those properties. And they were able to buy in in 2010 after the crash when there was a lot of fear, a lot of panic, new construction real estate that went under to a bank, everything in place that we've talked about with the management, with the loan, with the tenant in place at $88 a square foot. Now, those investors are selling those assets in Fort Myers, Florida for close to $200 a square foot and really have more than doubled their income. And it's just tremendous when you get into a market that's unknown how much more potential for growth you have. Dallas is an incredible market right now. Everyone talks about it, as is Florida, as is California. But I just ask yourself, do you wanna be a buyer there? today or did you want to be a buyer there four years ago and should you find a market that is like Dallas four years ago? So the goal is to be aggressive when others are fearful. A Warren Buffett quote which goes back to Omaha, one of the markets we're in, I closed on a house there two weeks ago. It's a tremendous market for growth because millennials are moving there. And looking at supply versus demand, simple economics, you want to be there when real estate has less than six months supply. And there's a lot of different ways to go about telling that. We utilize about $4,000 a month worth of pay-per-use services to pull data from the National Association of Home Builders, CoStar, LoopNet, the corporate side, Census, CoreLogic, Rent Range, just to name a few. When we're doing diligence on a market, we're investing millions. So you bet we know what we're doing and we're going to have an investment property that for us is gonna do very well and be very attractive to our clients so they do well and continue to be our clients and buy with us. Some of those key indicators, we're looking at building permits. Building permits paint a great picture for what's going on because builders are two plus years ahead of the game on what the demand is. Understanding the market cycle and where it's at. Each market is its own beast and looking at past data and really observing what happened during the crash, you can identify markets that not only haven't appreciated a tremendous amount since, but have the right lack of inventory to be poised for big growth over the next five, 10, 15 years. Some of the places we've been, obviously you'll see there Williamsburg, Virginia, Portsmouth, Virginia, and Newport News, Virginia. The growth there has been huge because of the Panama Canal expansion. 
they've increased the infrastructure, the shipping lanes to the largest port on the eastern seaboard, which is where? You guessed it, Virginia, where this growth is being seen. Now, some of the markets we have available, I'll touch on that a little bit. We have Omaha, number two best city to find a job in 2015, number one best American city to work in tech in 2015, and it is the number two best city for college millennial grads to find a job. So, in general, this has been a very steady, stable, boring, if you will, market that has an Air Force base that employs 9,500. You have a huge healthcare system, the most affordable healthcare index in the country, and you've got Allegiant Creighton Health, which is 7,500 employees, and you have two huge universities. Creighton University, which is the best master's program in the Midwest, and the University of Nebraska Medical Center. What's made this market exciting is the tech industry. They've installed a new fiber optic ring around the whole city. Many cities don't have the infrastructure to do that. Omaha did, so think of how far ahead of the game they are. PayPal moved their headquarters there. They are booming with jobs for millennials. And if you're familiar with the Silicon Valley, please check out Google, look it up on Yahoo Search, Silicon Prairie, or Silicon Prairie Omaha. It's tremendous what news outlets are posting on this. They have their own news company, their own newsletter, their own blog, just from the growth of the 140 plus startups they've had in the last few years. And that tech in the Midwest has circled over to Chicago as well, our own backyard. But what's different about Chicago than Omaha is Chicago in the city is extremely expensive to live. And towers are going up every day Apartments that are $2,400, $2,500 a month rent. What is it doing? It's pushing out the families, pushing them out to the suburbs. And what is the most affordable suburbs are the southwest suburbs of Chicago. They've increased the 94, the Dan Ryan, which runs south of the city, to nine lanes. They've been working on it for three years because of the tremendous amount of commuters coming into the city on a daily basis. Because they can't raise their families there, they're pushing these millennials out, these late 20s, early 30s into the suburbs to raise their families where they're renting. And you can see it if you Google it, what's going on from the articles, how millennials and boomers are the key to what's growing in here in Chicago. And our latest acquisition, which actually is in Texas, Lubbock, Texas, which is an interesting town. It's the largest city in western Texas, might not be the first one to pop up, but it's very similar to how Austin was in the late 80s. You've got a huge college there, Texas Tech, growing extremely fast. But what's really different about Lubbock is it's got two things going for it. First of all, it's got the largest healthcare index from Phoenix all the way to Dallas. And then it's a market that's very stable and not dependent on oil. It actually benefits from oil prices being down because all of the execs working, making 100,000 in Midland, Texas, not too far away, when the oil jobs dry up, they move back to Lubbock and rent because they're going to have a job. And the impact on students alone, for every, there's roughly 2,000 new students a year at Texas Tech. And for every 1,000, that leads to over 100 new jobs created in this market, 2.67 million in household income, and 9.8 million in output. So it's really tremendous. The infrastructure actually has room for a second ring around the city. They're working on it already. And that's just going to add more and more growth to this city here. Now, as we talked about back in 2007 when we really started focusing on the IRA, biggest piece missing was the leverage. Your traditional lenders, your Bank of America, your Wells Fargo, they'll loan you a loan and they will... Look at your credit statements, look at your W-2s, look at your income over the last two years, and they're gonna base this loan for your investment property based off those things as well as what other properties do you own and how have they gone. Now, when your IRA, your self-directed IRA, is going out to buy an investment property, you cannot get this type of loan. You have to get what's called a non-recourse loan because a traditional loan is providing a service to your retirement plan, which is a prohibited transaction by the IRS. So non-recourse lenders, there's two big ones out there, North American Savings Bank and First Western Federal, 
and they lend about 60 million a year, yet they get in demand over 600 million in applications. Now going through this process, it's actually more difficult than your traditional loans in a lot of cases because they want profit and loss statements from the property. They want the income. They want to know what your tenant situation is. And then they have to do their own independent research on your market and inspections, appraisals, all of those things. And a lot of investors will attempt to get it and the deal will actually be gone before the pre-approval process goes through. What we've done with our lenders is we have a over 20 year relationship with some of them. And when we're acquiring 100 properties, they're going in with us, vetting the properties and doing their underwriting there. So we know what the terms of the non-recourse loans will be for you before they even purchase it. And what this does is it allows for no points up front, no prepayment penalties on your non-recourse mortgage, and much more attractive terms within a point of traditional financing is really unheard of in non-recourse. And what it does for you is gives you much higher cash flow and lets you much increase your purchasing power. Here's a three unit portfolio we put together for a client. He actually had 170,000 out in Wyoming and was looking at $150,000 properties roughly. Blown away when he saw what this leverage could do for him. So if you were to take the same exact property on the left, single family ho house, 1,500 square foot, two car garage attached, invest 150,000 to purchase it, you have your gross monthly rental income at 1,300, you don't have a mortgage payment, property taxes are 200, insurance $40 a month, management expense $100 a month, maintenance expense, funds that don't come out, but we factor in $40 a month, $480 a year, leaving him with $920 of net cash flow. Annually, that would be $11,040, no loan, no principal reduction, leaving him with 7.4% as his return without factoring in appreciation. Now, factor in appreciation at the U.S. inflation average, which is 3.4%, and hard assets always flow with inflation. As the dollar becomes worth less, property and rents become more. That would be $5,100, and his total internal rate of return, that $16,140, would be 10.8% of his $150,000 invested. So what he was able to do with us was take that same $150,000 and leverage it out over three properties that his IRA owned. So ultimately, he purchased $350,000 houses. He has a non-recourse mortgage for $300,000, $100,000 a property and his monthly gross rental income is tripled. Everything else through the same equation is tripled, and that leaves him with a net cash flow at the end of every month of 11.10. Now that is over $100 more a month for the same amount invested. So ultimately leaving him with $13,320 in cash flow back to his IRA at the end of the year, which is more than $2,000 more than the same scenario on the left. But in addition to that, he's reducing the principal on those mortgages because our loans are actually amortized over 30 years, similar to the mortgage on your primary residence. So he's reducing the debt by $46.50 for a ROI, 0% appreciation of 12%. This is even higher than the other scenario with appreciation. Now, take appreciation into the equation, with the same rates, you're looking at three properties versus one, so 15,300, and a total internal rate of return, all three avenues he's making money, cash flow, debt reduction, and appreciation of 22%. So it's really night and day what leverage will help you with and won't help you with, and why it's so important in the real estate transaction with the IRA. All these returns will continue to compound without paying interest on the profit until you're retired. And what my clients are doing here is taking that cash flow at the end of the year and applying it to a principal on the mortgage, usually the smallest mortgage first, and let them domino and pay themselves off. With the ultimate intention of having these assets free and clear come retirement, 
with no mortgage payment, in this scenario, that would be an extra $16.50 a month in cash flow. Now, a few of the houses in our portfolio, just to give you an example of what we're working with. We're looking for typically B-class properties, single-family homes. We also do some multifamily homes. Condos, townhouses are great diversifications as well, and we want our clients here to have a little bit of everything. So they're not only diversified away from stocks, but well diversified into real estate. We'll structure portfolios for our clients three properties, one in each market, all the same passivity of management being us. You deal with us here in our Chicago office and we micromanage the on-site managers. Here's a shot of one of the multifamily properties as well as the inside two. Now, have we covered all the bases? Market timing, when to get into a market, when to get out of a market, and when a market looks great on, on paper from your friends, it may not be great to be a buyer in today. Interest rates being at all-time lows really lets you leverage out your dollar at these fixed rates that won't stay that way. And take the example of a $100,000 mortgage. For every point of, point of interest on that mortgage, you're looking at $1,000 you could have saved yourself if you were to invest today rather than tomorrow. Diversification, not only from stocks, bonds, mutual funds, but diversifying yourself out into multiple markets. Protection from inflation, a portfolio that will actually benefit from inflation. For every point of appreciation, you're essentially doubling or tripling that rate of return. What makes the best market for US real estate and why we are where we are? Cash flow from day one, we don't sell assets without tenants in place. And of course, the financing aspect being very attractive part to this investment. Now, our GEG management tool actually won the Chicago Innovation Awards. So we're very proud of that. We got to ring in the NASDAQ bell on February 22nd. We have a great video about that on our website if you'd like to check it out, learn a little bit more about us. We also won the Investing Innovators of, of the Year for Think Realty, which is a third-party realty group that puts together a lot of presentations and events, and they have a weekly or well, I guess it would be monthly magazine that we're gonna be featured in. Very excited about that. And not just from Salil, but you can hear it from our clients. We have a video library on our website of client testimonials where you can see my ugly mug right there and uh, Mike Decker's ugly mug as well. And some of the client testimonials as well on our LinkedIn pages. So we're very relationship-based. It's about getting you the most return and the most comfort in this investment, and we're your partner. So one of the new introductions we've introduced is the Rental Assurance Program. Now this is essentially vacancy protection for your first 12 months. If your property goes vacant for whatever reason, if your tenant doesn't pay rent, we're putting our money where our mouth is, and we're covering your rental income so you have a good cushion to get started off with on the right foot. And we have additional education, ebooks on our website, growthequitygroup.com, that you can download, check out. And I do have a handful of associates who are burning the midnight oil here, available on the phones for taking some calls. And I'd also like to open up the floor for some questions, whether they're for me, Salil, or Nate. I believe we're all still on and available to answer those questions for you. Let's see here. Josh, one thing I wanted to add is that not only working with you, it was great, but even the support was awesome. After I took over the property, your support team was very responsive. Anytime I had any question, they immediately they addressed that. Thanks, Hello. I, I appreciate the, the addition to, to the webinar, and that, that makes me happy to know that our, our boys upstairs are doing their jobs. Good. Mm -hmm. So, thank you. And um, we're, we're glad you're, you're part of our team here. All right, looks like I got a few coming in. Uh, what pre-approval steps are there for me to get this non-recourse mortgage? There's actually none. The non-recourse mortgage is already in place on the asset. So the lender has vetted the property 
and done their underwriting on the particular property, the market it's in, the condition, and the cash flow it generates. So there's really no hoops to jump through. When we identify a property that you like to purchase, we'll go to a purchase contract. Everything is good on the contract. Send that in with earnest money. And when we go to the closing table, the lender has your note ready to go starting from the day you close. This, this presentation is available for download. We will have it converted over tomorrow and emailed out to the list of attendees so you can review it at your, at your leisure. Can I split this property with my wife? Yes, you absolutely can. You can do a 50-50 ownership where you put, or 60-40, 72-28 was the weirdest one I saw, but that's just how the number worked. And do that where the profits will actually be split evenly. It's not too difficult for us because we do the accounting for the back end on the back end for you. So when we get your net cash flow of say $500, we send 250 to one account and 250 to the other account. How do you make money? Growth Equity Group makes money on the buy and the sell of the properties. We don't make any money on the uh, management end or the financing end. The on-site manager collects that fee for the work they do, and we have salaried employees in-house that micromanage them. It's all part of the relationship, but we obviously are making money when we sell our properties to you. Does the model work outside of the self-directed IRA? Yes, it absolutely does. We have about 25% of our clients purchasing these properties outside the IRA for the passivity, the leverage, the fact that the leverage is not on your credit, won't affect your credit in any way, and you don't have to go through any type of checks is huge. And for a lot of people who are retired and don't have a, a lot of income, when the bank's gonna look back at your two years of income, if it's just social security, they're probably not gonna give you a loan. It actually worked out well with a client. He did a testimonial with us yesterday, purchased a, about a year and a half ago, and he actually purchased one for his mother, who is on Social Security, never done an investment property, and our lenders financed her, because it's not based on you and your credit, it's based on the asset. Typical investment, you know, can vary. I would say the typical investor is doing about 100,000 invested with us and buying roughly 250 to $300,000 worth of real estate. But it depends on your situation. We had a client who had just retired, just researching what to do with his 401k, and he bought 10 properties with us. So it all kind of depends on what you're looking to do. If you're comparing it to two or 3% that's been stuck in the 401k and you just switched jobs, it might make a lot more sense to invest more here than less. Do I actually have ownership of the property? Yes, you do. If you're buying it outside the IRA, you actually get the deed. It's deeded real estate that you're buying directly from us that you own. If you're buying it inside of the IRA, I believe typical, Nate might be able to help me with this, the custodians typically can hold the deed. I've never seen a deed for a property I bought in my IRA. So I assume that's the yep, case. We actually, yep, that's that's what we do. So we uh, we, we process it, we, you pick the investment, we sign off on behalf of the IRA, and all the originals or the documents are, are sent here, and we hold that title in the name of your IRA uh, for safekeeping. Nice. You talked about timing of markets. What do you do when you hold in a market in a downturn cycle? How do you assist your clients in exiting those? Have you encountered this scenario yet? Nope, we've never encountered a scenario where our properties were in a downturn cycle. But devil's advocate, if that were to happen, say you bought a $100,000 property, market depreciates, even worst case scenario, 15% and it's worth 85,000. 
I would advise my clients, as I would do myself as an investor, to not sell. I, I, I don't go into this investment with exit in mind, really. I want these assets to pay themselves off. If the market takes off like crazy, like Dallas has done over the last few years, I'd say sell. We're Florida in the scenario of 2010 to today, 2016. But if the market's down, you still have a tenant in there paying cash. And the markets we invest in have a lot of securities because we're looking for markets that have tons of job creation. And like a case like Virginia, you actually have jobs that are government contracted jobs to Huntington Ingalls, their largest employer, to build aircraft carriers that they've paid for up front because we're in a tremendous amount of debt and the government pays way too much money for things. But bottom line is those ships won't be completed until 2025. So that means steady jobs there and steady renters. So no real need to sell if that scenario were to happen. And that's a big difference from this in stocks is stocks, your position's down, you really lost money. You have $100,000 worth of stock, it goes to 85,000. It's not like that stock's paying you rent. And you have to wonder, is it gonna go back up? Is it gonna falter more? Real estate is very cyclical, it's very predictable. If you're looking at this over a 20 year period versus 20 years of stocks, you make a lot more money just on appreciation without even factoring in cash flow. Um, I believe once the, once the IRA investment amount is paid back, do I receive 100% ownership back and you only owe the remainder on the lien to the, lend, to the lender? That's correct. You actually receive 100% ownership of the property and the lender, just like the lender who lends on your primary mortgage, is the fact or is the in the first lien position on the loan until you pay that loan off and then you have 100% ownership of the asset. <clears throat> Okay, I don't see any other questions, so I want to thank everybody for joining and logging on. I uh, appreciate you taking the time to educate yourself about us, our strategy, and self-direction. And if you do have some further inquiries, please feel free to give us a call at that number, shoot me an email, and I'll be happy to answer it for you. Thanks, everybody, and take care.